Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Got your Bibles, why don't you open with me to Joshua? We've been in a series and we have been for four weeks. This is the fifth week. First time ever in our church we've preached through a book of the Bible, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I think it's been fun. I've really enjoyed doing it. And um, I felt a real stirring from the Lord about six months ago, three, three months, six months ago, to start studying the book of Joshua. And it really felt like God was talking to me about the spiritual battles that we face. And really, there's so many parallels between the book of Joshua and the book of Acts. I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, there were a bunch of cities that got taken and, you know, in the book of Acts, a bunch of churches get started. And it's never exactly the same way, just like in the book of Joshua, God had a specific plan for each city, for each um, momentous occasion where he um, instructs Joshua to, to win. But it's amazing the parallels between the spiritual battles we face and what we see in the book of Joshua. So I really pray through this series, and hopefully you signed up, you're getting the devotional every Friday, which is amazing. Um, hopefully you're putting yourself in the story and lining yourself up against what we're seeing in the book of Joshua, because there's this amazing New Testament parallel called spiritual warfare that you and I, we all face. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about it, that the wrestle we have is with not the flesh. It's with the spirits that are at work and it's a spiritual battle, but we're in a war. What's the war? It's the war over souls. It's the war over souls. And I'm believing that we're going to see a mighty increase in souls, one to the kingdom of God in our city. Come on, I'm just prophesying right now. I'm believing that that God is going to send more and more people into the houses of God, the houses of God of our city and our region. The churches are going to begin to fill up Services are going to need to be added. Buildings are going to need to be built, not because it's about building buildings, but it's about reaching people because we're in a war. And Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation. But what that means is that we are all signed up to reaching people, to seeing people one to the kingdom of God, which is pretty awesome, pretty powerful in Jesus' name. Well, if you've got your Bibles, open with me to Joshua. We're in chapter 7 today, and um, I'm excited about it. It's going to be great. The the title of the message, I'll just give it to you right now, is this, Victory from Defeat. Come on, write it down, Victory from Defeat. If my iPad would open up, we could get started. But in Joshua chapter 7, it comes right after Joshua chapter 6, which is where we see Jericho fall. And I preached a message last week about that. But I just wanted to to start here in verse 1. It says this, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. This is right after Jericho has has fallen. And um, it says they broke faith. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Notice that it was Joshua that sent the men which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. Verse three, when they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the people 
The whole people toil up there, for they are few. Do you notice how it was the spies, man, who told Joshua what he should do? It wasn't God, it was them, which is interesting. Verse 4, so about 3,000 men up, uh, went, men went up there from the people. They fled before the men of Ai, so it didn't work out very well. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and they struck them at the crescent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Verse 6, we see Joshua just, just respond in this moment to the defeat. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and all the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today, Lord. Father, we thank you that through your word, we always get nourished, we always get fed. Father, we thank you that your word never returns void to us. God, we thank you that as we study these amazing passages of scripture, Father, we can learn. We can learn about the way you do things. We can learn about the way you love us. We can learn about your grace, God. Father, we thank you for Jesus today who started and finished it all, Lord. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, God. We pray for Colonial Kids right now on Superhero Sunday. Thank you, Lord, that they're learning and they're being built up in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. So Joshua chapter 7 is important. And I'm excited to talk about a couple of the themes in this chapter I'll give them to you right now. Some of the themes of this chapter are driving out the enemy, taking the possession, keeping sin out, allowing God in, understanding unity is important. Some of the themes that are important, but I just wanted to recap where we've come real quick in this series. I started off, like I said before, part one was all about us understanding we're in a battle. This is a war, spiritual warfare exists. The second part of this series was unlikely grace, the story of Rahab. It's in there for a reason because it, it, it shows us, in a sense, God's heart like we see through the Gospels for people. And God had a heart for Rahab. God loves people more than we do. And he, loves, he, loved, he wanted to save Rahab and God had a plan to save Rahab. Are you grateful that God had a plan to save you? That he loved you so much that he was like, I'm gonna go get you. I'm gonna come find you. And he rescued you. So part two was unlikely grace. Part three was no turning back, the crossing over story, the miracle of the Jordan crossing. And I just love this story because so many aspects of it just make you think, man, what was God doing? Why would he do it this way? Why would he come in the side door? Why would he lock the people of God in um, behind them with the water flowing again and keeping them in, in the land? It was because you know, he wanted to test his people, but he wanted them to have faith that it was God that would bring about the victory. And it wasn't their efforts, but it was what God does with our lives that there's a crossing over in faith that takes, that is required for all of us. Trust is the key. Jesus is faithful. The Holy Spirit will help us. So no turning back was part three. Number four last week, the walls will talk. And the story of how Jericho is all about worship. What did they do? They shouted and then the walls fell. And I just love the picture just from the archaeologists that show the mud brick falling down and creating this perfect ramp for the people of God to go up. That's the thing about worship we've got to understand is it creates a ramp for us to go into where? Into the presence of God, into the blessings of God, into the overcoming life that God has for us that comes through worshipping. And so much takes place after we worship. That's why we just got to keep worshipping. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley or in between, worship is powerful in Jesus' name. 
But today, part five, victory from defeat. This is all about how we conquer the land. So we've kind of gone from scoping out the land, crossing over, going into the land. Now it's about taking possession, driving out the enemy. This is what God wants us to do with our lives and He will partner with us to do it. Isn't it amazing how God doesn't say, here you go, it's all here, you have it right now. He says, no, 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 no. Together, what we're gonna do is we're gonna drive out the enemy one city at a time. For us as Christians, it's one season at a time, one victory after another. God wants to take us from glory to glory, strength to strength. But something happens here in Ai. Right after this momentous victory, what a high, what a start. Chapter seven, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things, the things that were separated just for God. For Achan took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. So let's get straight into it this morning. As we take the land, there's a few things we learn here in AI. Number one is this, where sin exists, God does not. This is something we've got to pick up here, something we can't miss. Where sin exists, God does not exist. They don't co-mingle. Sin brings defeat. And here we have the people of Israel and the first most amazing victory, an incredible deal, miraculous work of God. And just when you thought you're on a high, sin comes creeping in. Isn't that interesting? You know, the devil, I said this before, but he's not a gentleman. It's not like he says, okay, well, you know, you just, you have your victory. I'm just going to leave you alone. Let you visit for a moment. He's not a gentleman. And it works in reverse too. You ever notice that when you're really down? I've I've been some in, in low moments in my life and it's just like, man, the devil won't leave me alone, even down here. That's the truth about the enemy. He doesn't care about you. But where sin exists, because it can come creeping in, God does not exist and God is not okay with it. Joshua gets the word directly from God. God speaks directly to Joshua about the sin in the camp of Israel. It's in verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? I love that. I love the way, the, the way that God says, it's like, get up off your face. What's wrong with you? He says, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. You know, God takes his word seriously. He says, Israel has sinned. They have taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies. In, in ancient times, in the, the, the military armies, and this was the worst thing possible. Like for you to flee, to turn your back on the enemy and to run was literally the worst thing because people would find out about it. People would hear, oh, that was Israel, the, the army that ran from us. This was bad. This was a bad situation. God goes on and says, Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before the enemies. They turn their backs because they have become devoted for destruction. And listen to this. This is how much, this is how serious God takes sin. I will be with you no more. There it is. He can't exist. He won't exist with sin. He says, I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things among you. Sin cannot exist where God dwells. And it's something that we see right here in the story. We go from one victory. Joshua is absolutely crushing it. Stats look good, one from one. 
The ESPN stat, stats, best stats ever. 100%. And then a serious defeat. Here's the point. You cannot keep sinning and keep winning. That's the point of this story. You can't keep sinning and expect to keep winning God's way. Because God has an issue with sin. You know God hates sin more than you do. And He hates sin more than I do. I said about in, in the part two of this series that what I got from the story of Rahab is God loves people more than I do. But let me flip it on the other side and say, you know, God hates sin more than we do. Why is that? Because God knows the impact of sin and He knows how sin leads to death and He knows what's best for us and He knows the impact that sin can have on our relationship with Him. You ever notice that when it comes to sin, it's not like there's actually anything between me and God because Jesus took care of that on the cross as the finished work, but there feels like there's something between me and God. That's the impact on my relationship with God that sin can potentially have. God hates sin and has to deal with sin. I heard it said said this way, which I love because people are like, man, God was so harsh. Yeah, but God had to deal with sin. Why? Because it's the love of God that fuels the wrath of God because He loves you so much. Be like, man, God's wrath severe. Yeah, it is. Why is that? Because He loves you so much. Because He cares about you so much. And God will go to amazing lengths to deal with sin so that you don't have to die. And what did he do? He did it through Jesus. Talk about amazing lengths. He knows what's good for us. Sin was potentially about to kill his kids, so God took care of it. God spoke to Joshua. Let me ask you a question. What what sin exists in your life that hasn't yet been addressed, hasn't yet been confronted? And is it potentially withholding you from your victory? Because sin, listen to me, friend, is an enemy to God's plan and purposes for your life. See, it wasn't about driving out particular this or particular that. It was about the fact that sin is an enemy. And sin is an enemy to our purposes when it comes to God, our plan that comes from God. Sin is an enemy to that. The enemy would love to take you off track. It's also interesting, the pattern of sin here we see in verse 19. So what happens here, I just need to sort of say it quickly because I don't have time, but basically God sovereignly picks out and shows Joshua who was at sin. His name was Achan. Okay, and we see this amazing conversation happen between Joshua and Achan. And Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me, he says. And Achan answered Joshua, He said, truly, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, and I coveted them and took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Look at the pattern. Look 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 at the cycle of sin. Ready? Here it comes. First he saw, which means he was looking at something he shouldn't have been. Okay, and then it says that he coveted, which is what he saw that he then wanted. And then it says he took it, something that didn't belong to him, and then he hid it. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing the way, you know, it's always been like that. Genesis chapter three, I'll read it to you real quick. But sin has the nasty cycle. It's in verse six of Genesis three. Look at the pattern. We see it right here. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so she saw it, and that it was a delight to the eyes, there we go, the eyes again, she saw that, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she shook, sorry, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Come on, write this down. Sin always leads to death. Obedience to God leads to life. Let me say it a different way in the, the conquest language. Sin always leads to victory. And Sorry, sin always leads to defeat. <laughs> edit, YouTube, edit, edit that out. <laughs> sin always leads to defeat. And obedience to God always leads to victory. So how do we do it? We have the Holy Spirit. See, we, what we have is we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Literally the Holy Spirit's job description is to come alongside and help us live the life that God has called us to live. I love to say it this way, the Holy Spirit is the coach that'll give it to you straight. I remember when I was in my teenage years, I was a swimmer, that was my big sport. I played rugby during winter, I swam during summer and swimming was my big thing. And I remember I had this coach, this swim coach, his name was Tony. Big Tony, I used to call him. He was awesome. He was just like this big guy. He, used to, he was just larger than life. I used to try to make him laugh because it was like Santa Claus laughing. He just leaned back and be like, ah. <laughs> just used to love to make him laugh. And he was just an awesome coach, such an encourager. We were doing really well. I'd got, got, kind of had some success at the state level. We were at the national titles. And I was, I was about to do, I did my event. My event was a 200 freestyle. And man, I was fired up. This was my year. I was going to take that gold medal, and I lost. I know, devastating. I lost. I came second. And I was just like, man, like talk about a low point. Talk about defeat. Talk about like suffering a blow. I've been like, my whole season trying to, trying to get to that place, and I just have to confess, I don't like coming second. It really irritates me. And so I started to feel sorry for myself. I went up in the stands. I didn't even sit in a seat. I sat on the steps. I still remember it. We were in Adelaide in South Australia. So it was a sort of a travel situation. I was by myself and feeling sorry for, started to like, you know, start to feel sorry for myself, mope. And in Australia, we call that being a sook. You know, I started to be a sook, you know, just get all down on myself. And my kids are being like that. I'm like, stop being a sook. But I don't forget, big Tony comes over and sits next to me. He's like, man, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what do you mean? I just lost. It's the worst moment of my life. And he's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> this big Tony did not mince words. He said, the reason you lost was because you got comfortable. You were winning. You got to the final lap and you swam into the finish line only breathing to the right. And the guy came up on your left and beat you. If you, had a breathing on, if you had been breathing on both sides like you normally do, like we train to do, you would have seen him, you would have won. And he's like, that was stupid. That was really, really stupid. And I was just like, man, this is like, thanks. This is great. <laughs> he gave it to me straight. But at the end, he said this, but you know what? Tomorrow night, you got the 400. Guess what I did in the 400? I breathed on both sides and I won that gold medal. I was not letting anyone take that gold medal from me that night. I was looking on both sides. 
But here's the point is I had, a, I had a coach who gave it to me straight. And I also had a coach that told me what, what the next thing was to do. You know, the Holy Spirit's just like that in our lives. He's the, he's the coach who will give it to you straight if you're willing to listen. If you're willing to say, hey, what's going on in my life? What's happening in my heart? Will you show me what I need to do? Will you show me what the issues are? When we check in with the Holy Spirit, this is what He does. And then He leads us to all truth. In other words, victory. See, sin and God, they don't go together. So that's point number one. Point number two is this. Repentance always ushers in grace. Repentance always ushers in grace grace in our lives. Can I encourage you, if you've experienced a defeat online, if you ever suffered a serious loss, what do we see Joshua do that we need to do? He runs straight to God, not away from God. It's in verse six, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He got in the presence of God. He ran to the Lord. When we experience defeat, when we suffer something significant, when it feels like, man, we just have got it all wrong, can I encourage you, the last thing you wanna do is run away from God. You wanna run to God. You wanna get in His Word. You wanna pray. You wanna get into church. You wanna make sure that you're in around believers. I love that He ran. I love that He got in the presence of God. Why is this important? Because it shows Joshua's humanity. We all get it wrong. If you don't think you get, you get it all wrong, you just got it wrong. We all get it wrong. It's what we do next that says everything about where our heart is at. It also gives us a pattern to follow. We get a glimpse of how to resolve differences with God. This is why this is important for us is because God doesn't receive us as slaves now. He receives us as sons and daughters. So when we get it wrong, when things don't work out, the last thing we should do is have a slave mentality where it's like, man, God's gonna make me pay for this. It has to be the opposite. Because that's what Jesus has done. Can I get an amen? amen? So we can walk into the presence of the Lord as a son, as a daughter and say, Dad, I messed up. Yeah. But I know you love me. And grace comes in. Things begin to change. This is a pattern for us to follow. Remember the story of the prodigal in Luke 15, verse 17. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against, uh, against heaven and before you. Joshua came to himself. Can I encourage you, if you're dealing with sin, if, you're, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's showing you something you need to change, can I just encourage you, repentance is the best thing. It is a force to be reckoned with. Two things that I've been speaking about a lot in these, this series, the last couple of weeks is repentance and obedience. We don't talk about these things enough. This is a lethal combination in the war of the souls and the kingdom because repentance, it ushers in grace. It helps us move forward. I love that Joshua didn't just get on his victory high horse and be like, oh, well, it's all about me anyway. I'm gonna try to take another city by myself. That would be ego. You know what ego does? It edges God out. We gotta be careful of ego. We gotta understand this is all God's work in our lives. I love that Joshua, he doesn't let ego get in the way. He realizes this defeat was something significant. I mean, 36 died. This was significant. No one had died before. This was the first time. And he realizes the importance of going to God 
because he knew that the future success of the mission was based on God himself. Romans 2 and verse 4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness, look at this, is meant to lead you to repentance. It's the forgiveness of God that leads us home. It's the patience of the Lord that gives us new strength. It's the forbearance of a holy God that makes us understand all over again, I can't do this without Him. And I want to encourage you today, you can't do this without Him. You can't get to your pathway of promise. You can't get to your promised land without the Lord. See, part of this, I just one of the things I love about people that have been Christians for a long time, that have loved the Lord, walked with God for a long time, like 20, 30, 40 years, is their reliance on the Lord grows the longer they walk with the Lord. You notice this? And it's just like, oh my gosh, your faith is incredible. But it's just like, no, I just realize that I need, I need God more today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow I'm gonna need Him more than I do today. We need to be people that understand this, that repentance leads us to the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God in Jesus' name. Okay, so we started off by understanding sin, it doesn't work. Number two, repentance ushers in grace, and this is where it gets good, chapter eight. Number three, God doesn't lose. Come on, write that down, someone. God does not lose. God's not in the business of losing. I'll say it this way, God's not a loser. I like the way that sounds. God's not a loser. God doesn't lose when we work with Him. And what we see right here, and this is the reason that AI is in our Bibles, friends, is because God wants us to understand that He can do an amazing thing from a place of defeat. He can turn it around and bring about a victory, which is great news today. Because you and I, listen to me, we're on the winning team. We're all on the same team too. That's why unity is so important. We're on the winning team. God doesn't lose. You'll never come second by putting God first. What is an area of your life that God isn't first? That you can reposition Him as first and understand today because we see it right here that God is not in the business of issuing losses to us. He wants us to win. But you'll never come second when you put God first. You will never be in second place. You'll never be in a place after you've put God first where you're like, man, I regret doing that. It will not happen. Because God doesn't lose. He brings victory in our lives. When all looked lost for God's people, He turns it around. Chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear, do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. But look at the caveat, look at the extra, look at the added bonus. Only a spoil and its livestock, you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. How kind is God? How gracious is our Lord? after this defeat, after this disobedience, after this right-sizing that needed to take place, like the people of God, man, they felt it. But God says, no, 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 no. Now I've given it into your hand. Go take it. And then the plunder you can have for yourselves. 
So you'll get the victory, but not only that, you'll be better off after the victory. See, that's the way God brings about victory in our lives. He doesn't just give us good. You know, to win AI, to take AI as king, that would have been good, like good. But God doesn't do good. God does amazing. God says, hey, take the city. It's yours. I've given it in your hand, just like I did Jericho. But this time, take all the spoils. Everyone benefits. Everyone gets to take, gets, gets to take a piece of the action. Grain, and resource and stuff. God doesn't lose. But when He brings a victory from defeat, can I just encourage you? It'll be better than anything you've ever experienced. It'll be greater than good. It'll be better than anything you've ever seen God do before because He takes us from glory to glory, strength to strength. Would you stand with me? I just felt really stirred between services actually to pray for people that you've suffered a loss, like a setback. And I don't know what area that might be. It might be financial. It might be you might have lost a job. You might be in a season where it's like, man, I feel like we just took one step forward and took three steps back. Maybe it's, you know, a health situation. I don't know. But this is the encouragement that I get from the text today is that whatever defeat you're looking at, whatever loss that's in front of you, God will take it if you do it His way and He'll turn it into a victory. He'll turn it into something greater than you've ever experienced before. And I wanna pray for people right now. So if that's you, head, heads bowed, eyes closed. Come on, just being honest right now between you and God. You just you feel like you're in a bit of a setback, a loss. You face a struggle that's put you back. You just lift up your hand. His hand's already up, it's awesome. You just shoot up your hand. Let's just pray. Let's believe. Because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit, the same God that led Joshua the way that He defeated the enemies. That same God is working on your behalf. He didn't fail Joshua. Listen to me, He's not gonna fail you. So God, we just pray right now for people that are coming from a place of defeat, maybe suffering a loss, a setback right now. Father, we pray, we ask, Lord, that You would take a defeat. You would take this loss, Lord. You would work it together for good. That You would apply Your grace to it, God. Where there's repentance needed, Father, I pray that You'd give us the courage, Holy Spirit, to repent, to change our mind, to agree with what God has for us, to get on board with His plan. Father, we pray for healing, where there's healing that's needed. Father, we pray for provision, if provision is what's needed. Father, we pray for relationships to be restored, God. Father, to go from a place of defeat to a place of victory in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's sing together. Let's worship. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.